You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another NFT 365. And, you know, I've been getting a lot of comments and questions really around, you know, buying NFTs on, on different blockchains and like, what is my thoughts on, you know, buying on, you know, Polygon versus ETH versus Solana versus uh, Cardano versus, you know, everything from, you know, DraftKings to, you know, individual uh, marketplaces. But you know the the other piece of this that I found you know very interesting um, when it comes to like lessons learned so far you know 130 plus day almost 140 days of buying an NFT every day but also being in this space now for over a year is you know there was there's some places that you know I think are just low hanging fruit that any NFT project no matter which uh, you know which which blockchain it is on. Um, I believe that those that are starting, that are going to start to embrace these things are going to have a much easier time standing out, a much easier time uh, rolling with some adversity if if adversity comes. And then also the ones that will be able to kind of like scale up and scale down, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, throughout these different markets, you know, the, the, we 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 have no problem admitting that uh, NFT collectors are very impatient, but I think part of that impatience, you know, being impatient is that when they're you know you're putting money on the line, and there's like kind of hard to you know we went from like everyone was docs or everyone was anonymous to now we have a much more you know I would say a majority of projects that we're looking at um, the no question um, the the founders are doxed. But, you know, on top of that, like kind of like the the doc side of the house, um, there's also like this idea of like, I just want not only if I'm not getting return or if I'm if I bought this for like the utility or I bought this for the community, like, what does that all look like? Right. We almost like for a part of this, like it's it's such a funny um, perspective because this is one of the things I think of. And I think we should all think of this as collectors as well as NFT project founders. Um, and even those that aren't sure like where they fit in this space yet. One of the things you have to think about is, you know, each time someone buys into an NFT project, each one of those people, it could be a 10,000 piece collection. It could be a 3000 piece collection. Uh, we're, we're minting, uh, the immutable, uh, images NFT today. Uh, and it's a 500 piece collection. So hopefully we are able to get one of those, uh, five, uh, you know, uh, 500 that are available. But one of the things we have to factor in is that it's such a different, the, the diversity of style of NFT owner can really run the gamut, right? What I mean by that is it can be someone's first time and they want to spend all time in Discord. They want to learn everything. They're going to jump into every Twitter space. It could be someone's you know, that has been researching this project for months or weeks um, and can't wait to be a part of it. It could be someone that was like, I heard about NFTs yesterday. I wanted to buy one today and I saw this project. The price looked about right and you jump in, right? And it's so funny because like 
the the all those entry points and you could have someone that is that are buying it just to flip it you could have someone that's planning on holding it for a month and selling it someone that's planning on holding it for a year someone that says I love this art so much I'm never going to sell right so you have like this wide uh, gamut right and I will say like one of the things that I've I, I talk about on stages, you know, as a, as a keynote speaker, I, you know, the, the talk I kind of became known for, I guess it was called the millennial mindset. And it was really focused around uh, millennial mindset was not an age. It was actually your ability to embrace digital change, digital community and digital collaboration, right? So change community collaboration uh, and communication was kind of looped into that collaboration and I consider that the millennial mindset. And one of the stats that I always like to throw out there is that, you know, for the first time in history, there is actually five generations that are actually actively working in the workplace today, right? So we have everything from baby boomers to even, you know, the Gen Zs even that, you know, are kind of emerging across uh, this space. And because of that different, you know, walks of life, right, even as I'm a pager wearing millennial, you know, like one of the things that I laugh about is like, you know, I really love nostalgia, but I also like, I think about it from a standpoint of like, uh, we, we remember a time then there wasn't cell phones and there wasn't internet, but we also have kind of benefited from a time that has the cell phone and the internet versus, you know, let's say Gen Z that was, you know, that didn't have, uh, that, that doesn't remember the concept of no mobile device, right? Even telling my daughters this weekend, my daughters asked me a question about why, there wasn't more pictures of me. I think it was when I, I was telling them when I was my first time visiting Japan and I was like, well, girls, like, remember we had to carry a camera with us separately. Like we didn't. And they're like, well, but you didn't have a camera on your phone. I was like, I didn't have a mobile phone. And my daughters were like looking at me like, well, how did you communicate? Right. And, but I say all of that because the diversity of, of, of investor types on top of the diversity of backgrounds, diversity of, of people. And also like what is that ratio of money um, to like what you're trying to get out of it? And, and this is something that I tap into my poker background and then I'll kind of loop it around to these, the, the points that I want to make for this episode. But like, I, I will tell you that, you know, at a poker table, how someone plays in a cash game where it, you know, when you lose your money, you just buy more money. The, the difference between someone that shows up to the table and that, that, let's just say $1,000 is the only $1,000 they, they brought with them versus someone that has $50,000 in their pocket and they're like, yeah, $1,000 is $1,000. Like how they're going to play poker or like their decisions are actually more often than not, which they shouldn't be, but more often than not, they're going to be actually skewed, right? That person that only has one shell, only that $1,000 buy-in, you know, their likelihood of them, you know, even though they have like a 40% chance of winning a hand, the likelihood of them saying, man, if I lose here, I'm done. I have to go home. I don't have any more money versus the person that's like 40% chance I'm willing to gamble. Right. And we have to think about that in NFTs as well, right? Someone that buys in with all of their liquidity, Versus someone that's like been flipping NFTs, making the profit, and it feels like it's uh, no big deal. Like I, I, I remember um, I was in Vegas a couple months ago, and uh, I went. You know, I'm a big sushi fan. Like I absolutely love uh, sushi. Uh, and you know, we went to you know one of the most popular, actually the most popular, um, uh, you know, uh, sushi restaurant I believe kind of in the U.S., which is Nobu. And I've been to Nobu a couple other times um, in the past, and I, you know, I knew going in there, it's crazy expensive um, uh, from as far as you know compared to other uh, restaurants. But in the past, you know, I went in there like kind of like, okay, this is what I want to spend. 
Well, the last time I was in Vegas, I had actually was at the craps table and won pretty big. Actually, one uh, I went on a streak. I think I bought in for two hundred. Um, I cashed out for like nineteen hundred uh, in like about an hour. It was a it was a hell of a run on the craps table. And I went into Nobu, and there was two of us. And I, wa- I walked in uh, with with the actual chips, and I said, "I want this much sushi brought to my table uh, for the rest of the night." So, so just keep bringing me things until I spend this amount. And for me, it was an epic dining experience, right? The sushi, the uh, Wagyu tacos. Oh my goodness. I can still taste them on my mouth right now. But the reason I say that was like my experience of that restaurant was actually a little bit different when I went in there and said, here's money that I didn't even know that like, it wasn't my money an hour ago. And I look at money oftentimes in that way, right? Versus like, Hey, this is something, you know, it's, it's like for me, like if an NFT goes up way up in price and I don't sell, I didn't lose that money because I never had that money. Um, and so like, for me, like there's something to be said about like how we, we approach different people, different conversations, different things that are going on. And so with all of that being said, the real question comes, how does a project, how do we as owners kind of shrink the distance between the the project founders and the community. And then how do we also, as owners of the NFTs, shrink the distance between us that have the NFTs and those that want we want to welcome into our community? Now, I've said this before, I think one of the biggest um, you know, issues we have in the NFT space is that some of the great projects aren't going to scale well, right? They, their first launch of 10,000 are great, but adding another 10,000, like, sounds like a great idea. Maybe you can sell out, but how do you deal with uh, now 20,000 eager people that are, are wanting things? And when you do meetups, like, how do you, how do you give uh, preferential treatment to the first 10,000 versus the second 10,000? So what I wanted to kind of touch on was kind of like the, the three pieces here where it, you know, for those that are out there, these are the things that I believe are going to help us kind of embrace this massively diverse age group, massively diverse style of investors and collectors, massively diverse backgrounds, and even the massively diverse, you know, kind of onboarding, right? Those that have, that just found NFTs in 2022, like they didn't have a lot of the the experiences that we had in 2021. And that's for some of that's for good. And some of that's for like, they're going to learn some things that, you know, um, this year as they kind of go through it. And so uh, the first of the three is something that I just can't believe the, the projects aren't using it right now very much. And I blame discord, I think mostly, but it's video like live video needs to be integrated into I I believe every part of an NFT project and even as NFT owners, right? Creating live video like collaborations, right? I I know there's a lot of um, groups, you know, shout out to psychedelics anonymous. You know, it's a project that is, you know, one of my favorites, probably my, my top three without question. Um, You know, psychedelics anonymous is doing, you know, they're in LA for NFT LA right now. And just seeing the photos and things that are coming through are amazing. But one of the things that I really love about that project is within the community, they've created kind of like subgroups of like people that are in like the Philadelphia area, people that are in the mental health field, people that like, so there's like these sub communities within Psychedelics Anonymous and, and people really have kind of taken that and run with it. Right. And there's something beautiful about meeting um, in person with others that kind of share your values that you've been connected with. But, you know, I look at that as like, you know, imagine are the loyalty and the camaraderie that can be built 
if rather than we're just in discord all the time communicating, what if we turned on video more often, right? Like what if we were all on, on zoom and um, you know, I'm going to, you know, kind of practice what I preach here. And we're, we're implementing that in our discord, right? So one of the things that I'm excited about in our discord next month is that we are going to do more like everyone community can come on video, right? And I know that not everyone wants to do that. So sometimes that's not the case. But I really do think of video as like that shrinking the distance, right? I like to say, it allows people to look you in your digital eyeballs. There's also something magical. And if anyone hasn't had this yet, if you've only heard people on like, on Clubhouse or on Twitter Spaces or on Discord, but you've never actually like seen them in person or on video, you're going to get this feeling, I promise you. And you can message me afterwards and say, Brian, you were right. You get this feeling, it's actually weird to see people's words come out of people's mouths that you've listened to talk for hours upon hours upon hours. I mean, some of my really, really good friends right now are people that I spent, you know, six months on Clubhouse with and we would share, we would be in rooms every single day together, didn't really do video ever. And then we met in person. I remember just like, I'm like staring at their mouths. I'm like, wow, like words come out of like those words that I'm used to hearing are coming out of that individual. So I really think of video, not just one way video, but I, this is the, this is what I, I call it participatory video. So I believe projects should, should start doing Instagram lives. I believe we've done, we've done Instagram live here um, on the podcast uh, and I've had lots of raving reviews on that. We'll be doing more of those. Um, I believe projects should be doing zoom where you're able to get community members on the, on the video. Right. And you're like, Oh my gosh, Brian, how would you scale that? Well, there, there's plenty of tools that are out there that allow you to, you know, uh, filter or create subrooms. Um, like, don't let's not use excuses of like I don't know how I would fit everybody, or let's not use excuses like Brian. That's going to cost uh, you know four hundred dollars a month um, for that that Zoom package. Uh, we spend four hundred dollars uh, mm-hmm. buying an NFT with the gas alone. Um, oftentimes. So like, give me a break. Like it's, it's, it's kind of sad that we, we oftentimes like we add these like crutches or barriers uh, to prevent ourselves from like kind of pushing the limit. And I know video is scary and maybe that's something that I will do a training on, on, you know, I, my, for years I was known as press the damn button guy, right? Like I help brands, businesses, and leaders press the damn button, tell their story on video, understand the power of video. Every single one of these podcast episodes, I record on video. I'm recording it right now using a tool called Ecamm Live, um, and we post them up on our YouTube channel because some people like to watch video versions of the podcast versus just the audio. We even add you know graphics and some overlays and some B-roll. Um, and so like, I, I really think participatory video is something that we are going to see more projects embrace. I think they should start having a library so people that are researching a project, like if I was researching a project and I was able to go look at a library of videos of of interviews of that the founders did and and people in the community and maybe the community managers introducing themselves on video game changer game changer and i will say uh crypto chicks uh shout out to them as as well again like i loved the the founder the two of the the current uh leaders of crypto chicks they were on yahoo finance and i'm bullish everyone pretty much listens to this show knows i'm a big fan of, of crypto chicks um but like watching them on video and just seeing like their mannerisms and their passion and their excitement for me was just like more validation that, yep, that this is a project um, is amazing. So first one is uh, participatory video is something I think we have to look for. We have to start thinking about and like really embrace. The next one is the 
what what utility are we providing or exists that allows the the all of the different styles of nft holders um to gain value so one of the things that is like a pet peeve of mine is a lot of play to earn games. Like we've minted a lot of them for our project, um, you know, for, and I'm not a huge gamer. So I've, I've, I've shared that before. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge gamer. Um, but you know, a lot of, you know, play to earn games. If you aren't, you know, you, if you're not active in the game, your NFT does not have as much value to you. Right. And, and I think that's a, that's a, a disappointment, right? Because I actually look at it and say like, if you're able to add exclusivity and like for me, like a couple of the projects, they give some cool options, right? They are like, you can, you can not reveal your, if you choose to not reveal your art, that's an option, right? And if you do that, then maybe yours, you, there's only a couple of them that are not revealed. Like I, if in my wallet, I, there's like six NFT projects where if I'm given the option, like to do something or like what, you know, if a majority of people are going to do one thing, like everyone's going to reveal their art because they want to see what they got and what's worth it. And there's an option of doing the other. And I know that I'm already holding the NFT for a year or, or longer. I'm going to choose the other, right? I did the same thing with Matrix. Like we have the Matrix NFTs. Um, I have, we, we bought five of them, like three of them. We did like they pill, like they took the red pill or the blue pill. But in two of them, we took no pills. There's no pills. So they're still in their original form um, because I look at that as like, hey, that's kind of like a collector's item. It's kind of like the difference between opening up a pack of baseball cards and seeing what's in it versus having a sealed pack of baseball cards, right? And there's um, that kind of like version of the collector side. And so the second thing that that I think really we have to look at for projects and, and, you know, as utility is like, how do we look at all of these options, right? Because some of the projects are talking about in real life meetups, right? Like in-person meetups. Well, you're not going to be able to go to every country and meet up. So there are going to be people that are left out, especially smaller countries or, you know, in many cases, like, you know, a lot of international, um, you know, people are going to be uh, left out of some of these possibilities. So like for me, if one of your utilities is IRL experiences, you also have to have like a utility um, kind of like kind of flip or like, you know, kind of counterbalance for those that will never attend an in real life event. Because if you don't, not only are, 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 are those people feeling like they're not getting value, but there's going to be uh, within your community, there's going to be the haves and the have nots. The haves are those that can attend a lot of these things. The have nots are the ones that feel left out. And there is no worse feeling on being excited and proud to be part of a community and then feeling like not at any fault of your own, you are then kind of boxed out even within the community, right? Like being boxed out of something you don't know much about, and it, it's kind of annoying, but really you're like, it must be cool in there. But if you're on the inside and then you're also now boxed out, now that's like a feeling that you don't want to give anyone to have. So when I look at utility and I look at roadmaps, I'm actually now flipping a little bit on its head and saying, okay, I love that utility, but what about the people that aren't going to do that, right? Like, and Discord is, is, a, is a great example. There's a lot of people that hold NFTs that are never in Discord, so what utility are you providing them as far as an email newsletter? Maybe it's a, a, another website. Maybe it's a Facebook group um, that, that can provide them of value. So that was number two, kind of like, you know, that, that kind of uh, idea of, you know, how do we adapt our utility and our roadmap so that we can make sure that we're not, you know, isolating, but we're also kind of adapting for uh, the different styles of use cases uh, for, for NFTs. 
The third one, as far as like, you know, as I'm looking at projects, as we're researching projects, as we're kind of thinking about these different um, components of projects, the thing that we, we just have to start to, to look at is the idea of keep it simple, stupid. Yep. Kiss. Well, you know, um, there's, there's my kiss for, for everyone, right? So kiss, keep it simple, stupid. What I mean by that is there's a tendency to want to do everything for everyone when a project kind of launches or a tendency to not do anything and just kind of like keep people at bay. Right. And one of the things that I believe that we have to look at as, as owners and as uh, NFT creators, but also NFT collectors is the simplicity for understanding where things are going, where, where we are in the roadmap. And I will tell you the ability to simplify little things. And I'm saying this as someone that I, I struggle with simplicity uh, because I, it has a little, has a lot to do with my neurodiversity, right? I am ADHD. I'm probably ADHD superpowered, but because I have ADHD, one of the, the, the traits that is often associated with ADHD is our desire to overshare, right? We overcompensate because for much of our lives, we've, we've struggled at doing basic things and to either hide that or to like compensate for that. We will, we will over exaggerate the things that we are doing or we are good at. Um, on top of that, there's also this like need for me. I mean, listen to how long these episodes are of the podcast is that I also have like a tendency as an empath that I want to like make sure that my examples are covering just about everyone, right? Like, and I know the whole saying, you know, if you try to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. Well, that's cool. But it, I have to first get over the fact that I have a desire to please everyone. And until I get over that, um, none of that nonsense works. And I, and like, even like this episode, right? Like I originally was like, Oh, I'm going to do this for like NFT creators. But I was like, actually collectors going to matter about this as well. Right. And I want to hit all of them. And even when I'm giving examples, you'll notice I don't give just one example. I try to give two or three examples because I want to cover the entire arena. And, you know, for those that don't know, like the way I map out our, these podcast episodes is I brainstorm them and I, and I have a, you know, put a sticky note, um, on my, on my, uh, my monitor behind the camera. And I just kind of have it outlined. Um, and it's not word for word, but I, I have, I call it the rule of five. And I have like my five things kind of laid out. And these are like the three takeaways. This is the story I want to make sure that I include. And then this is like a data point or a call to action that I want to include. So those are my, my five. Uh, and I have a whole video and I mean, there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole bunch of content on my, on how I do that. Cause that's what I do for speaking. It's what I do for podcasts. It's what I do for Twitter spaces. Um, but I digress. But the, the third one, you know, like in this whole, like, uh, this whole idea of like where things are going and like how we are, you know, communicating with people that are, you know, inside and outside. The other part of this that is that keep it simple, stupid mentality is we have a tendency to believe that adding complexity or having a lot of things is what people want. But I'm going to argue, especially in the NFT space, what people really want is they want to know that their voice is heard. They want to, un- they want to be feel as though that they are, that they, they have a sense of like pride and ownership in the NFT that they, they hold. They also want to be able to feel like they have a relationship with like the founders or others that are in the space, right? Like I know, like it's so funny that, you know, at, at in-person events, you know, people will come up to me at, you know, at in-person events and we take selfies and we, and we talk 
and I always remind people, I'm like, hey, we're we're all I'm just human, human, just like everyone else. And and I know a lot of NFT founders feel that way, right? Like when they go to a an NFT party or they walk in and like, oh my goodness, that's the founder of Cool Cats, or that's the founders, you know, that's one of the founders of whatever that project is. There's this like this swarm mentality and this like but because part of it is like, hey, I bought in, I believed in you and your mission and 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 we're building this together, right? And so like that togetherness, really the can't be it simple, stupid part is like the more complexity, the more layers we put in, the oftentimes, the further we feel from everything going on. And we've all heard this before, right? Like when you jump into, you know, a discord, you know, not only are we impatient, but in many cases, we'll jump in and be like, um, we'll ask a question and people are like, it's in the official links. And we'll go to the official links and the official links has like 19 paragraphs and 37 posts. And we're like, we go back into the open chat. We're like, yeah, I have no idea what this is. Like, just give me the answer. Right. And then we have a tendency to be like, we just posted all of that information where, you know, in our, on our section, but if it's not simple, right. If it's not easy to consume, if it's not kind of like based on what we're doing or what people are looking for that, like the, the, that false sense. And, and, and I, and I already see it. There are projects right now that I feel that they are burning themselves out, believing that they're, they're, ability to display that they are busy is is actually validating or giving you know is giving the the owners what they want and i'm actually gonna be like no actually i would rather you openly communicate with like hey this is what we have going on these are the things that are happening let's do like an ask me anything let's do a town hall let's do like and then we're gonna say hey this is the roadmap and these are what we're gonna execute on and right and giving updates on that and I will tell you like that to me is one of the pieces that not only with a keep it simple, stupid, like kind of uh, mantra, but that if we, if we keep it simple and then we also have a desire to over deliver, it actually stands out. One of the things that I struggle with and I, and I, and I see this a lot right now is that there are projects that are, have a desire to over deliver for their holders. The problem is there's too much chaos going on for the, the over delivery to actually stand out and be validated. And in a way, your over delivery is wasted. That, that ability that you did, the thing that you were so excited about that you hid and you spent, maybe you spent a bunch of the budget on. If you are, if you are, have too many things going on, too much complexity across different things that are happening in a project, um, that is going to oftentimes mitigate all of that work that you're going to have that like over deliver. Now, with that being said, there are some other things that I think um, we, we, are, we see as like a trend that I, I believe we just have to continue, right? Part of that is we should be elevating like our, our biggest fans of our NFT projects should be, oh, there's my, sorry, there's my Adderall. I'm recording this at 1.40 p.m. Uh, for those that know, like 1.40 p.m. is when I have to take my medicine and uh, no shade or, uh, you know, for those that you know, are medicated like myself, uh, you know, there shouldn't be any guilt uh, on that side of the house. Um, but, you know, the, the, when we think about this, like as like, you know, in the NFTs today, like we should have projects that are, if you, whoever your biggest fans are, you should be empowering them. You should be giving them responsibility in the community. They should be able to feel like their voice 
um, is her. They can do their own kind of Twitter spaces on behalf of, of the project. Um, kind of, you know, that empowerment is essential, right? And I, and I love seeing projects doing that. We've been doing that here, um, even with our podcast. Uh, we have some cool things coming up where you're going to actually hear the voices of those that are our, our podcast listeners in our Discord. You're going to be able to, a- they're going to be able to answer, ask their questions using this new tool that we, uh, just, you kind of just pulled together. And I'm excited to bring their voices into the, the podcast as well. Um, and so I think that's a great trend. Uh, another great trend that I'm seeing a lot more of is like a commitment to creating like graphics and, and making things a little bit easier to share, right? Like it's one thing to tell people like, Hey, like promote this tweet. It's another thing to arm your community with all of the assets and resources they need to tell people about your project, right? Like the more that projects do that, the easier it becomes for people to keep it simple, stupid, and to promote, to celebrate, to put things out there. Uh, and then the, the last thing that, you know, one of the trends that I think we're going to continue to see, and, and hopefully I'm excited to see this continue to grow, is the collaboration element, right? Collaboration amongst the the projects, but also collaboration with other NFT projects, right? Like it, you know, for you to grow a community, it, it doesn't mean that you actually have to, um, you know, just do it all yourself. Not only can you should be collaborating with other projects that have some overlap, but what about shared utility, right? Like if your utility on your project is all play to earn, and there's another project that has all utility around like art and um, community engagement. And then there's another one that has all utility um, around like thought leadership and education, like meta athletes, the, you know, the project that I'm involved with, um, you know, all, that utility is education, thought leadership, personal development, right? And so for us collaborating with projects that, uh, that focus on, um, you know, let's just say community engagement, community uh, involvement, they also kind of like really have worked hard on um, the kind of like that NFT investor, NFT collector um, space, like bringing those worlds together just makes a lot of sense, right? Because now we have shared utility. I'm actually jumping into a, a discord uh, tomorrow and I'm doing a, a, a course. I'm doing like a mastermind where I'm going to be teaching people some of the things that I talk about here on the podcast, but I'm going to be doing it in a very like uh, ask me anything type way where I'm going to you know kind of give my presentation. People can come in and ask me questions and they're hiring me. They're paying me to you know come in and be a part of that for their discord because that's the utility that they want to provide for their, for their discord. And it wasn't something originally they baked in, but now they're collaborating with us and, and some of the things that we're doing um, with meta athletes. And so to me like this, we're, we're living in exciting times. I think it's very easy for us to get bogged down on blockchains and, and the price points and a lot of these like nuances, but I am, I'm looking at it and saying projects that are willing to continue to deliver, you know, hyper communicate, but also kind of embrace the three things that I mentioned earlier around like what is important, right? As far as participatory video, making sure video is a kind of like that essential um, aspect of your content as you move, move forward and, and more video, the better, right? The more that we can kind of um, increase uh, that, that video kind of usage and the video kind of delivery. The second one, of course, is that idea of um, how do we match utility and match roadmap if we're delivering something and the, and there's also a high percentage of our users that are would not actually be able to take advantage of that. And then, of course, the third one being, uh, you know, keep it simple, stupid. And in the art of keeping it simple, stupid, uh, you know, shout out to all of those that are holding ADHD coin. Uh, we just hit fifteen hundred ADHD coin holders. Uh, really just want to say thank you to everyone that's holding uh, ADHD coin. Remember, just by holding it in your 
uh, wallet. You don't have to have a, a MetaMask. You don't have to have a Coinbase. You can actually buy it on the website just by holding it, not sending it to, uh, to us, but by holding it. Uh, you get rewards uh, automatically every single weekend um, into your account, and then you can actually put them back into your coin, or maybe you can take them to your bank account if you want to do that, um, or you can spend them on things like uh, merch and some of the other things that we have uh, down the line. And so, you know, super excited to have our, our 1,500 holders. Uh, I'm bullish. I, I believe that, you know, every one of the listeners, the if you're willing and, and, and open to this idea of exploring something new, I believe by holding creator coins, it's going to actually show you a different um, you know, aspect into Web3. Uh, so if you haven't jumped on to that yet, I would love for you to jump in um, and you know, just jump over to ADHDcoin.com, create a free account, um, and connect that account to your Discord. And in many cases, you don't even have to put any money into it, right? I give away uh, coin uh, on a regular basis inside of our Discord. So um, if you're kind of dipping your toes into NFTs, dipping your toes in this whole Web3 space, um, don't miss out on on kind of understanding the utility of creator coins because it's different than crypto, right? Like I have I have crypto assets, but I don't get anything for my crypto assets. With creator coins, there's lots of utility that are built into it as well. So uh, check out ADHDcoin.com. Until tomorrow, my friends, make it a good day. Or no, make it a great day. Cheers. The show.